0: Let's talk about the Kentucky Derby. Will fans be allowed inside Churchill Downs? We're starting to wonder. Also, our commercial real estate reporter is here, and he's going to talk about a few big proposals around town. It's all next on Access Louisville. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann and joining me today is Marty Finley. How's it going? And Shay Van Hoy. Hey everybody. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on this city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So guys, on com this week, we have a story about a new glamping site being developed in Williamstown, Kentucky. Glamping, by the way, is glamorous camping. This location is about an hour and a half to the northeast of Louisville, and it's kind of a perfect location between Louisville, Lexington, and Cincinnati. So my question to you guys is, A, do you like glamping or camping for that matter? Also, this seems like a pretty great uh, business to start during a, uh social or during the pandemic because of the social distancing that we all have to do these days so uh have you guys become more interested in uh this kind of uh uh, vacation getaway and uh, i think i'll start with shay on this
1: one uh yeah not don't know if i've ever actually glamped although sounds pretty appealing to me i'm pretty fine with camping um don't do it a lot but as long my kind of rule is like as long as there's a shower somewhere that i can mm-hmm. take a shower the next morning like it can be pretty primitive um if, if there's a sh- like shower nearby right yeah most uh, like
0: state parks have like showers and stuff right. like that so
1: yeah so i have never been like the, i'm gonna hike out in the middle of nowhere and and you know or hike yeah, trail that's
0: too scary but, i think
1: but <laughs> yeah but a state park state park totally works and as far as like being interested in these type of getaways, I think I you know I think it has put that into more um, more in the limelight. Um, my not that we haven't done this before, but my wife and I went to a, stayed in a cabin in Brown County, Indiana, and um, it was really nice to get away from like social media and the internet uh, mm-hmm. for a while. So I think that could go hand in hand with like camping or glamping.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Marty, uh, how about you? I know you uh, you like to camp now and then, don't you? Yeah, we have a my parent, my family and I. We have a
2: annual camping trip that's in southeastern Kentucky. It's at a at a state park near where I grew up. We do that every year in October. Um, we've done it since I was a kid. It's become kind of a family tradition. Um, so yeah, I like it. I don't know. We don't ever stay in tents. My my parents have a like a small RV type thing, so we always stay there. Um, yeah. So weird, you word. know. I'm not. I'm not much of a tent guy, but I. I do enjoy being outdoors. You know, having the, the big fire. That's why I like doing in October because then it's starting to get cool. You know, the idea of camping in the summer sounds terrible to me because it's always so hot.
0: <laughs> and there's bugs. So I'm lots more of, of a. Bugs.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'm more of a, a fall camper type, but yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Uh During cooler weather, as the yeah. leaves are starting to change and everything like that. So,
0: I, I, I actually. I'd heard this the term glamping before this story, and I think it was you who brought it up. Are do you, do you go glamping or do you go camping? You're talking to me. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, like I guess mine is. Uh, we don't do the tent camping, but we do the you know the RV camping. I don't. I wouldn't really call it glamorous, but we do have beds. Like you're not. You know. Yeah. There's. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if that if that counts as glamping, then yes, I glam. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Can
1: I don't know the
0: bed? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like this place looks pretty nice. Um th- it has beds too. So I don't know like I guess where clamping began where camping stops and glamping starts, but uh I guess that's uh that's something I mean, for the uh the audience to there, weigh in on.
2: <laughs> there's those really huge RVs that are basically like houses, so those yeah. are pretty glamorous, but you know.
0: I thought about renting an R V this summer for uh for a getaway and my wife was like, No, every movie that they rent an R V turns out bad, so you can't <laughs> you can't rent one like and she was talking she rambled off a few. Now I can't remember any of them, but it's
2: uh, either a horror it's either a slapstick comedy or a horror movie. But you're know, yeah. it
0: goes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh it's always it always turns out bad. It sounds like a fun vacation to me though. Um, maybe to go out to one of the farther west state parks and take an RV there, especially during this time of year, because you wouldn't have to mm-hmm. stay at a hotel or whatever. But anyway, something to think about. These, uh, these, we're gonna need more getaways like this. So it's a cool idea that uh, that these uh, that this group has come up with, and it's a female, it's an all female led group. Uh, so that's pretty cool. You can find the story, more details. I'll link it in the description, and it's also on our website, as I said, um, switching gears here. Let's talk about the Derby. Uh, Marty, you covered Churchill Downs earnings call last week and the CEO of Churchill Downs, uh, said that the Kentucky Derby would be a unifying event for the city and America, which I quietly joked under my breath. It would be very unifying indeed because everyone in Louisville will get the coronavirus at that point. Uh, but, uh, Probably, uh, that's probably just me being cynical. So I guess uh, for now, the plan is to hold Derby with fans, right? So mm-hmm. is that's that's still on, We but we don't know exactly how many fans, do we? No, we have a little bit of an
2: indication, but we don't have a total number. Um, I actually have the, I re- retrieved the reopening plan Churchill submitted to the governor's office uh, several weeks ago. Um, and it had a little bit of numbers in there. They did say that they're, you know, reducing, uh, capacity anywhere from 33% in some of the smaller areas to 61% in some of those more crowded areas. Um, Mm -hmm. the number that jumped out at me was that, you know, they're not putting anyone in the front, the paddock area, which is usually for anyone that's been to Derby, the paddock is bananas on both the Oaks and Derby day. There's,
0: there's you know, it's
2: a massive crowd. You really just have to kind of bump into people everywhere you go just to get through the crowd. So that will be pretty much off limits. They're going to instead funnel everyone into the infield, which is bigger. Can, you can space people out better in the infield. Um, the number that they had on there, though, was up to 24,000 people in the infield. And I think the infield usually holds like 40,000, something like that. So it'd be a reduced capacity, but still a lot of people in one location. So the interesting thing that came out of the earnings call last last week is that uh, Bill Carstage and the CEO said they had actually froze the sale of Genon mission tickets
1: mm-hmm. and
2: didn't really say if they were going to start them back up. He did say they're well under the capacity that was outlined in the plan. He didn't say what those numbers are, but he said we're under capacity, but we have frozen the sale mainly because we're, we were at that time seeing a spike everywhere, um, including Kentucky. Um, and so I think they were just going to kind of see how things shake out before they presumed uh any kind of sales of general admission tickets but uh he also said they've had to do a, a number of uh, uh refunds which makes sense because you have over 150,000 people there a lot of those people book in advance so they're not to be able to have anywhere near that number so that will be a, a number of refunds uh being issued and already have uh but what we've heard from the governor this week is that you know, he's been in close contact with uh churchill's uh executives and uh it sounds like they're going to talk again next week. Um, mm-hmm. He did say if things don't improve, if it was, ha- for example, if it happened today, he'd want a smaller crowd. He'd want really, and he wanted to make sure that they'd be enforcing all the safety protocols, you know, uh, very tightly. So um, yeah. that's what he said this week. But it sounds like yeah, they're going to have good discussion. He
0: said that. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, yeah. It sounds like. I mean we had this coronavirus spike where our numbers went way up and now it's not going down but it's sort it of plateaued, looks again. To it plateaued again uh and it's yeah. plateaued at a high levels so and that's definitely not good yeah. but um but I don't know that it can go back down to like April because in April like everything was shut down so yeah maybe it's just going to have to stay plateaued at a at kind of a higher level but um but anyway, yeah, it, uh, he kind of did hint at it, but I guess if we hadn't heard anything official yet, um, no. no one – well, go on.
2: Yeah, Bashir said he's going to have another conversation next week with uh, Karstangian and the Churchill yeah. Downs executives. So, you know, uh, obviously at that point you're only going to be a few weeks out uh, from Derby Day. So not every decision will have to be made whether it's reducing the capacity more or even, you know – going spectator free, that decision will have to be made fairly soon.
0: Just yeah. because
2: of the timing. So
0: Yeah. We should know something I, I
2: would think by next week.
0: Um, and and on a similar note, um, you know, it kinda sounded like maybe he was hinting at a state fair announcement yesterday. I know you were you were we were both kind of watching it and you were writing mm-hmm. something and I was editing something. Uh but uh but it sounded like uh it sounded like maybe we'll hear something Something more coming soon on that.
2: Yeah, they the Bashir passed or approved a state fair plan that would reduce capacity by as much as eighty. I think eighty two percent. So much smaller crowd. Uh, Most of the indoor facilities will be closed. So it'd be mostly an outdoor fair. But um, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see. You know, he did say there might be some some news about that too. So they may reduce the capacity further Mm -hmm. uh, or put on some other restrictions. But uh, don't really know yet. He's been. It's Been teasing a lot of things this week, but we don't have a lot of details on a lot of them yet. So,
0: um, sports have come back to a degree. Um, MLB's back. Um, let's see, U of L has been practicing that sort of thing. So, but it, it hadn't gone exactly smooth, uh, you know. So, does this not this kind of stuff does it not bode well for uh, for Derby? And Shay, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. You think this is kind of foreshadowing, uh, you know, what we're going to see from Derby.
1: Yeah, I think the Indy 500 is probably a, a good barometer. Um,
0: right. I, and that, I that was it, was, can, it wasn't canceled, he, but the no fans, right? So.
1: No fans. Yeah. And it's, uh, I believe, was later than Derby, I want to say. I can't remember when they moved 500 to, but I think it was later in September. Um, but, you know, so that's a, uh, you know, massive event. More people than Derby usually, but you know one of the two or three largest sporting events uh, in the country uh, so yeah. if you look at that as a barometer? Um, you think yeah. that they they want I think one way or another they want to have they want to race horses one day this year and have <laughs> yeah. that TV have that TV money if nothing else I know some event you know TV ratings, even though baseball's had some problems with uh, a couple teams having people test positive and then having to cancel games. The games that are mm-hmm. on TV are um the ratings are really, really strong. Um I watched a couple of That's NBA good. games and, and that experience has been really good. Um and in fact people are you know talking about how the level of play in the NBA is um is at a, at a top level right now because everyone's fresh. Um, you know, they've had a chance <laughs> to recover from the season they that they they started with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so I think that they you know the desire would be like we want to have this and get the TV money for sure. And online wagering, obviously, and things like that. But I just, and I, I don't see how, you know, how they're going to, they would end up, you know, doing, doing a 60, 80,000 person event. Um, it, you know, I will mm-hmm. say that it, you know, I know I've seen some people, uh, you know, grumbling about Louisville city FC having fans in the stands, but, um, You know, I've not been to a game, but pictures I've seen, it seems like, you know, they've done a nice job of spacing people out. People are wearing masks. So, I think it can be done on a on a smaller controlled level. But once you get into, you know, Derby, there's it's such a sprawling complex. Like, how do you, you know, and then you add in alcohol. Like, how do you police people uh, once Mm. they're in there? So I think probably they're just not going to be in there.
0: Yeah. And, And the soccer point you bring up. That that's true that they are having games, but th- that's obviously much smaller than uh, than yes. anything that Derby would bring in. Uh, Marty, do you know the number off the top of your head on how many people go into
2: a Sunday? I want to say it's like 40, I think the limit is like 4,500 maybe Yeah, for the Family Stadium.
0: Uh, Which if you did 4,500 at Churchill, that would be very small, but yes. <laughs> we're talking um, about 10 times that many.
2: <laughs> but has actually held up Lynn Family Stadium as like the model, the good model of how to do it if you're going to, at do live Sports, because yeah. they social distance, but also they have a completely zero tolerance policy on masks, so they don't even warn you if you don't have your mask on. They just throw you out of the facility. So yeah. they're very tight enforcement of the masks, tight enforcement of social distancing. But as you said, it's a much smaller venue, yeah, and uh, and it's and it's limited or it, beyond the size of it by quite a bit. So uh, yeah. it's a really completely different animal than than uh, Derby and. Yes.
0: This is a golden age for people in the bouncer profession because they can throw you out if you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> a lot of good opportunities yeah.
2: there. <laughs> I the, the, other th- the other thing I think it's worth pointing out, maybe more so than derby, is, is football. I think football is the the kind of the nightmare scenario with the coronavirus because you know, obviously basketball is a contact sport, but not like full contact. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Football and you know, MLB is low impact. Uh, in terms of contact and they're still seeing a lot of cases. So, you know, you've already you've seen UConn, which is, they're not. A, yeah, I was going to really say college, can't they're not a college football power, but they, you know, they are a major university and they canceled their football season entirely. So, yeah. And be you to see how that an goes. Outbreak,
0: um, And it had several players come up with, uh, come test positive with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, kind of raises the question there. Shay, you were about to say something, I think.
1: Oh, like first I was gonna say i I miss uh misspoke the Indy five hundred is August twenty third, so it's before before Derby, but uh um, oh,
0: it's before Derby, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I agree with Marty, like I don't I don't know how football's gonna work. Though I guess I also don't know how in school education is gonna work either. Um Right. But, you know, with baseball, um that being the sport I watch the most, um, the problem there has been with you know, inside of teams, so like you no, know, player player gets coronavirus, he spreads it in the clubhouse. They mm-hmm. have to they have to bring in another players, cancel games or postpone games. But I don't think they've really had any instances of um, proof of, you know, team A giving it to team B because um, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. pretty spaced out unless you're someone's at batter on base. So on base and, and, and yeah. some players are wearing masks on the field, so um, but you know, with once you put fans in, but they also don't have fans in the stand. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they've gone that route. So.
0: Sidebar. I super want to watch baseball, but um, I cut the cord uh, last year and I haven't figured out how to watch, uh, how to watch the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, that's a team I'm a fan of uh, <laughs> without cable. So uh, I don't know. I hope baseball gets over there. Uh, cable contracts one of these days and just you can buy it online. I know you get MLB TV, but you can't watch in market games there and we're in the Cincinnati market, so that doesn't help me. I think I could get VPN and scramble my uh where my market is located and then watch it, but that seems like a lot of work. So um but uh that that that's a sidebar. <laughs> Unrelated to this, but uh it, um
1: MLB's ridiculous blackout rules is a yeah,
0: the, the, yeah, I think they just need to like get away from cable. But MLB has a hard time changing things. It seems like that's a, they're very rooted in tradition. So
1: They're very um, rooted. They're very rooted in not like, um, you know, not getting out of their own way and promoting their sport.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's I mean, make it really hard idea. for you to
1: watch. Yeah, let's make it really <laughs> hard for you to watch uh, games. Uh, like yeah. even people who are, like, you're willing to pay money to do it. Right. I would pay to money, money to do it, but I can't right. do it
0: <laughs> So right. without having cable. I guess I'm not willing to pay for that. But, um, but anyway, switch gears here. We're running a little long on that topic. Uh, Marty's been keeping up with some commercial real estate projects lately. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, these are. it's pretty impressive that some of these commitments are being made in the midst of the pandemic. But uh, what's this project near Ballard High School you were just writing about this week? Yeah, this is Hagen Properties, Inc. They uh, they own Shelbyville Road Plaza
2: and some other shopping centers, and then they do a lot of apartment developments. They have uh, just rolled out a plan this week to do an a $81 million apartment development uh, really close to Ballard High School, um, and uh, it's on her lane. Um, and it would be a 500, I want to say 520 units. It's one of the bigger and most expensive projects they've ever done in that multifamily space. They've been working on this for about... They said about fifteen years to try to bring it to fruition. and they've had some issues with the just getting the plans together, and uh, the economic downturn of two thousand eight. Uh, way back in two thousand eight, had some uh, impacts on it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but they said they feel like the timing was right. It is. Uh, it is still odd to me to be hearing about these massive projects in the middle of a pandemic. Right, but you know, right. these these companies are you know they work uh, well ahead of time on these. Um, they said that the the first work probably won't start until twenty twenty two. So mm-hmm. it's still pretty far out in terms of construction. But sure uh, yeah. they're they're ready to kinda of pull the trigger and you know they do a lot of uh you know upscale really quality finish work on their uh apartment projects and they're usually anywhere from fifty million and up. So they uh they do big ticket projects. But uh mm-hmm. that was a big one and you know there's still there's still a lot of interest in uh, you know m- multifamily stories when we do them and um, you know where mm-hmm. that continues to that continues to move ahead. Still a trend, yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. Um, and then there was a this one's a little more, I guess, coronavirus related. But uh, there's po- or a proposal for a new hotel in the medical district, right? And mm-hmm. we got yes. some more details on that this week. Or, yeah, so
2: yeah, we actually wrote about this. Yeah, we wrote about this back in March. There's a company out of Utah called Laszlo Group there. They proposed this project. It would be a a hotel with some extended stay units or apartments there on Broadway. It would incorporate an historic church there really close to the medical district. It's about an an $80 million project. So between that and Hagen, you're looking at $160 million in just two projects. Uh, But uh, we got some renderings. Like I said, we first wrote about it in March. But it would really cater, it would be the first one in the market to cater, to uh patients families and uh medical personnel so nurses doctors especially like traveling nurses that may not be based in Louisville yeah. um and their their hope is they would be kind of be able to provide that as a as a marketing amenity for the downtown hospitals that they can actually you know incorporate into their marketing like hey you could stay here uh, they're talking yeah. about getting subsidized rates for patients and medical personnel but uh, yeah, a little bit yeah. different for a little bit different for Louisville. There's other cities have these kinds of uh, amenities. The Cleveland Clinic has a hotel really close to it. Um so but it'd be a little bit different for Louisville. Uh the big news I guess coming out of this is they said they need uh tax increment financing, which is the TILF district. Uh yeah. they want to carve out they want to carve out a little bit of the arena authorities, a larger TILF, uh for the Yum Center. Uh they uh, they're actually going to they're trying to build up some uh support the medical community uh for the project uh before approaching the arena authority. But um they said it's pretty critical to get that funding or that project mm. probably won't move forward. So um it's gonna be interesting because right now is a very uh challenging time for the hospitality industry. We've still got hotels shut down in Louisville and we're mm-hmm. across the country and occupancy is still really low. So um mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see this one kind of move ahead at a time when, you know, the hotel industry is pretty much crippled. So it'd be one Mm -hmm. to watch for sure.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting that they want TIF money because, you know, right now you wouldn't get a lot of TIF money because, um, you know, downtown restaurants and and businesses and that stuff that generate TIF money, those aren't doing real well because the hotel, you know, there's no tourists, there's no office workers. And then, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of like they have, I'm sure in a few years that'll yeah. be back, but uh and that's and that's what they're thinking. But right now, I would imagine yeah. it would be well, hard to make your financial this
2: models. This is probably a three-year. This project's probably three years out from being open, so sure. I'm, yeah. I guess they're hoping. Yeah, that it's a long
0: way off. But
2: they're hoping that by then, that the the market will have rebounded
0: fully by
2: you know twenty twenty three or whenever this thing's open. So
0: yeah. Um. Let's see. So I'm going to switch gears here. We'll talk just a quick plug. We try not to do too much plugging on this show, but uh, uh, we did just wrap up a pretty special project called Corridors of Opportunity. So what all did we do there, Shay?
1: Yeah, this was the third in our corridor series. Uh, we're doing those quarterly this year, uh, kind of a new new thing that we're doing, focusing on development and commercial real estate in certain areas of uh, the Louisville Greater Louisville area. Uh, the first one was back, way back when we could meet uh, people in person. We did a story and event uh, on River Ridge Commerce Center in Clark County, Indiana, mm-hmm. and then we did um, the Oldham County uh, spotlight. Um, we being Marty, Marty has been the reporter on all of these. Uh, but for the West End, um, we kind of um, took it even to a, a kind of a more complete level. Uh, Marty had an extensive cover story. Um, with multiple sources talking about um, basically boiling it down to what the West end needs and that's financing and money and people to invest in mm-hmm. all these great ideas that are happening there. Some already come to fruition, like the, like the Y uh, the West end Y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, David, you did a, a great video. The first time we've done uh kind of a little mini documentary on the West end. Um, and then we had our mm-hmm. first fully live virtual event, uh, as everyone is, we're learning to uh kind of pivot and do things in a new way, and so we had um well, along with david's video um featured a panel talk with um uh, six people um who are stakeholders or business owners or nonprofits in the West End um and talked to them about uh just kind of a you know bringing the cover story to life um and yeah it was great we had um you know more than a hundred people that viewed it and um It's actually up on our website now for people if they want to go check it out in the stories. And um, uh, just really got great feedback from people who attended or read Marty's story or saw your video. uh, Yeah. You know, highlighting that an underserved part of town, but one that definitely has development opportunities.
0: Yeah. And Marty, you wrote a huge cover story as a part of that, which, by the way, the video that I made was kind of sourced by Marty's cover story. So. What was your big takeaway right in that story? What's something you learned from that, Marty?
2: um you know it was an interesting story from an atomic perspective. I started working on that in early June, and of, of course that's when the uh the protests really broke out over Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor's death, George Floyd's death. Those were really rolling as I was setting these interviews up and some of these people that we interviewed had either taken part in the in some of the protests or You know, we're definitely trying to advance some of the causes that are being brought forth about um, inequality and and injustice. So, um, you know, I caught these people at a very interesting time. Um, And I think because of that, we had some really candid interviews. People were really vulnerable, I think. And that was uh, very eye-opening to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes we feel like uh, in business journalism, uh, some of our sources, you know, very, they feel like they need to be at their absolute yes you know they pinnacle, very polished. successful yeah
0: yeah <laughs>
2: so they have to be tip Image. top everything has to be you know in shape and i feel like you know they really just open up and kind of a lot of the sources didn't just bared their soul about some of these frustrations and about funding about inequality about being you know kind of underutilized as a, as a neighborhood and sort of just kind of pushed aside or forgotten um uh, by large segments of the population so just to be able to hear their stories, uh, you know, and, and such a raw form was very eye opening to me. It was very rewarding to be able to tell a story, uh, because you know I feel like you know a lot of these causes are a lot of these ideas are good, and they just need some some funding. And in some cases, it's not millions of dollars; it's thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, just to push them yeah. over the over the line. So, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, um, I hope that um, you know this brings it to light for some of our readers and investors and. You know, if they're uh, on the fence, you know, uh maybe they'll uh, take a closer look at West Louisville and uh and you know, sort of join in and um and with companies that are already investing there like Norton, Healthcare and uh Humana and some other big uh companies uh in town. So I mean really yeah. just to me it was just it was a great experience. Um, you know, it's a challenging story to write. Uh, and I, I spent a lot of time kinda outlining it in my head before I wrote anything, but uh definitely one that I one of the one of the stories I've of my entire career that I've most enjoyed working on.
1: Yeah, and I thought I thought it was really interesting too that um immediately after the uh the panel talk, I, we had two different uh people in the audience who emailed me asking for a contact of someone on the panel um and those the people that contacted me were bankers. And so they were saying, "Hey, I'd like to, you know, talk to Talk to uh, this panelist about uh, their situation and see how I might be able to work with them or help them. So it's like a direct, uh, you know, direct example of what we hope to come out of the you know this series is to highlight these opportunities and also these ideas in in different parts of the city. But I think this one, as Marty noted, is extra important because of the history of uh, how you know, the West End has been manipulated red lines and and mm-hmm. to kind of uh, to, uh, you know, it would just stifle development, economic development, and trickle down to everything from healthcare to education there.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we'll wrap the show up this week. Uh, before we sign off, let's go around the room and you guys can share your social media handles. so people know where to find you. Uh, Shay, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah. Uh, mainly, uh, active on the most active on Twitter. Um, it's just my name at Shay Van Hoy, S H E A V A N H O Y. Um, so I tweet about work stuff and baseball stuff and about mm-hmm. our cats. So you can find me there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Marty, how about you?
2: Yeah. I'm also primarily on Twitter at BF Lou Marty. So if you have uh tail for anything you want to tell me about in the real estate world, uh, by all means. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm not as active there, but I do try to check in at least a few days a week. And, um, uh, so, uh, that's the best and, and LinkedIn, I'm just under my name. So that's the, that's the two best ways to reach me in social media world.
0: All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bfluDavid, David, and you can find me on Instagram at D man, three thousand one. Um, Instagram is more of my personal account and Twitter is more of my business one, but, uh, I'm on both those pretty often uh, if you like what you hear please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular services like Apple podcast Google podcast Spotify Stitcher Radio Public etc um, reviews are welcome too if you have those uh, thank you very much guys uh, for uh, joining and uh, Marty and Shay for, uh, for today and uh, thank you guys for listening at home and until next time bye